This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one of the podcast with Crawley and myself, Dustin Rhodes. This is episode nine. We are calling this one Ships That Pass in the Night. And we were fortunate to talk to one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite, Cubs beat reporter, who now has added a lot of multimedia to his uh, claim and to his fame, Gordon Whitmire sat down with Crawley. My next guest on Fly the W, one of my favorite writers and all-around good guy, Gordon Wittenmeyer. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? It's a long season, isn't it? Well, after losing to the Pirates 12-1, to 1, you just got to keep asking yourselves, how many times can we say, oh, I'll throw this one in the garbage? I mean, pretty soon the garbage starts to get full, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we're throwing the season in the garbage now. If, if, if we're talking about trying to win anything or accomplish anything team-wise uh, on the field, um, I mean, it's all about individuals, right? Jed said that last week, he, that it's kind of shifted into this youth mode. Um, he's trying to say, yeah, you know, you, you kind of play dual tracks on that, but it's not dual tracks anymore. Let's be honest. Look at the rotation. Look who's in the rotation, man. Right. And that's that's part of my question. You know, you were around for the first rebuild with Theo. Why do you think they were so apprehensive to call it a rebuild? Does that just mean that they're admitting failure, that, that idea that they originally had that – you know, we were going to do this rebuild once and from there it's not going to happen again? Or why, why do you think they just weren't straight up honest with what was happening? Well, I think, I think there's two things that make this one different than last one, even in the messaging and the narrative. And that's when they came in last time, they could piss all over the previous regime, which they did. And you had Theo Epstein come in with built-in credentials and credibility. Uh, hell, we saw T-shirts that said, in Theo we trust when they were losing a hundred games. Um, so you had this long honeymoon period that was sort of built in just by hiring Theo. And even though he came in and had less resources than he thought initially and kind of had to take a, a slightly different tack than he originally had planned, it, it, it was still Theo. And you had multiple years where people were going to trust that and still kind of, kind of pay attention, like be riveted by what's Theo going to do with our ball club after what we saw him do in Boston. And th- that, that and the fact that they got some very high profile prospects fairly quickly um, gave you something to watch and to look forward to and track and believe in that he could say whatever he wanted. He could be honest about it, which he basically was. And this time around, they've broken the promise of a foundation for sustained success uh, because of the pandemic and ownership's decision on how to handle that, they blew up the roster and started slashing payroll. And that meant that you were going to have to start over um, with, with your roster. And they don't have 
Chris Bryant in the farm system right now or, or any of those handful of other guys that they had back then that were top 10 rated type guys. And this isn't Theo. That might be the biggest thing of all, right? This is, this is Jed. Jed's a fine baseball man. He's Theo's right-hand man for years and years and years. He knows what he's doing as much as the next guy, but he's not Theo. And he also can't message like Theo can. Theo might be the best sports executive on the planet when it comes to that. I mean, I, I might, that might not be hyperbole. Um, Jed's not. Jed's a regular guy. He's just a regular smart guy who, who's doing his best. So, I mean, put all that stuff together and it's really hard to admit to fans and get them to swallow that this is happening all over again uh, with a lot less profile and credentials involved. Yeah, I mean, I remember for years going to Cubs convention and they would have different events with Theo speaking and he could just like, he was like the Pied Piper, man. Whatever he said, it just sounded right, even if maybe it wasn't. And we all went along. You were talking about, you know, now starting to focus on individual players and player development. And I'm hoping, I don't know if anyone in the world can answer this. You saw it with Clint Frazier and now Nelson Velasquez is up yet. Every day, Jason Hayward is in the lineup, and, <laughs> and it's getting to the point where I would say even the most calm and rational Cub fans, because there are a few that exist, are starting to get irritated and frustrated. Do you think this is David Ross's decision? Do you think Jed's telling them? I mean, what in God's green earth is going on here? It's definitely collaborative. I mean, neither one's doing what the other one doesn't want uh, in this regard. Look, I think, I think really it's a simple as you've got Clint Frazier, I think was a decision independent, right? I, I mean, they're not trying to win at this point. This season is not about winning. It's not about putting your best team on the field. It's about a whole bunch of individual stories. It's about whatever you do put on a field that day. Yeah. You know, you're going to try to coach them up and try to win. The, the staff is still in it to try to win games and, and the whole thing. But uh, broadly speaking, and in a macro sense, as it relates to this season, it's about, you know, giving Chris Morrell as long a run as you can in center until he proves he can't do it. As long a run as you can in the leadoff spot until he proves he can't do it. Um, Nelson Velasquez, I don't know that they believe he's ready to play every day. So let's get his feet wet. Let's see what he, let, uh, let's give him opportunities where we think he can succeed. And then when he does, if he starts to put something together, now maybe he gets a chance like Morrell does. Maybe. In the meantime, what are you going to do with Hayward, right? They don't want to just whack him and eat the money. And as Jed said, and there is, a, there is truth to this. Some of this is narrative and some of this is, is just flat fact. There are things he does for you in the clubhouse. And the guy has never stopped playing hard. He's never stopped working hard. He's never stopped being uh, a pro in the clubhouse and a guy that is willing to talk with young guys if, if they're around, willing to sort of uh, pay it forward like, like the Chipper Joneses of the world did uh, when he came in. Um, so, so there is a value there. Now, I also think that there's this other side of that coin. They're playing him a lot every day. If he doesn't perform... I think there's a really good chance he might be gone by the end of the season. Now the the August 2nd uh, trade deadline is going to come into play. We'll see. We'll see who they even have left. And then you, you, you play what you have. And, and, you know, so, so maybe he lasts the season. Um, but you, you know, you, you give him what you can. Maybe you, maybe he gets on a run for a month 
and you can package them in a trade. And if not, then you make your decision in the offseason. But there's you're not doing yourself any favors by having him on the roster and not playing him. Um, and you have enough, uh, you have enough playing time there to give him. Uh, and as I said, Clint Frazier, he wasn't doing anything for you. I mean, his, his swing was a friggin' mess. And he went to Iowa and got worse when he went on that rehab assignment. So uh, he's still in the organization. He still has a chance to get right. And maybe he's up by the end of the year and maybe Hayward's not. One of the things that, uh, you know, I've just been concerned about, especially the last uh, season and a half where we are right now, Kyle Hendricks just, you know, he seems to just really struggle all of a sudden. And you wrote an article about whether he's going to be on the next Cubs winning team. You know, give us some insight. Uh, do, do you have any idea of what may be going on with Kyle right now? I mean, is it, is it that shoulder they talked about? Is it just age? I mean, where are we at with Kyle Hendricks? He says it's not. He says he's 100% healthy. I don't want to. I don't want to doubt a guy or call a guy hurt or anything like that. If he says he's healthy, he's healthy to me. Um, and you know, he shows signs. He gets outs here and there, and 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 he's got command. He's just getting hit. So I believe he's healthy. Um, you know, I also believe that for years now, he's he's not a guy that had overpowering stuff he's a guy that knows how to pitch and I think he still knows how to pitch but he wasn't going to have a lot of margin to work with if he ever began a decline and um, maybe this is part of it maybe he's got to figure out a way to adjust you know I don't know what he's you know he's, he's thrown his curveball more in recent years I don't know if that's an answer apparently it's not at least in the short term I don't know in your article about Hendricks, you know, he kind of seemed resigned to the fate that the, the direction this team's going and how tough it's kind of got to be that, you know, all his teammates pretty much are gone except for uh, Hayward and uh, and uh, Contreras. And Contreras looks like the next one out. Um, he seems to be kind of just, you know, more shocked last time it happened. But this time it just kind of seems like he's accepting of what's going to happen here. Yeah, I mean, that's the impression I got from from Hendricks, everybody in there knows what's what's going to happen, and they have for quite a while. Uh, and you and you look at uh, guys like uh, all these one-year contract guys. David Robertson knows he's getting traded. He doesn't want to talk about it, but I, he's definitely in the last week or two come come over to that idea even more. You know, Contreras has known since the season started that he was going to be gone. Uh, Hayward knows how to read the room, and and uh, and Hendricks certainly knows but like Hendricks said yeah last year I mean they were in first place at this time last year flirting with first place and uh even even though they knew that like you know you Darvish got sold out from under him and Kyle Schwarber got non-tendered and they still were there because they still had that core and a couple of them were having decent seasons and uh and and having that group together that kind of trusted each other and, and had won before I think and they, and they felt they had something to prove it was also a massive distraction knowing that they were all short timers and then they got traded. And then the 20 hour period at the deadline where the three of them went in boom, boom, boom. And Rizzo went first. That was the shock Hendricks said, and he had Rizzo getting uh, emotional. I mean, Rizzo was already there when Hendricks debuted Rizzo took on the entire Reds dugout since the day Hendricks debuted. He was the man. Um, and now it's all gone. Who the hell knows what's next? Who the hell knows how long it's going to take? 
And Hendricks is pretty damn sure that he's not going to be around like, like the rest of us are uh, when it happens. You know, you, you mentioned Rizzo being the heart and soul of the team. And, and unfortunately, we got to see him in Yankee pinstripes. And uh, you had a really good interview with him. And he kind of talked about, you know, just how shocking that that was and how disappointing, I guess, it was that, you know, the Cubs right now are in a situation where, you know, they're trying to not finish in last place uh, as a major market team. So, so what was Rizzo kind of, you know, really, really talking to you about when it came to his feelings about the Cubs and everything that happened on the Blue Friday massacre? Well, if you're talking about in New York, there were a few of us talking to him and uh, the subject of whether the Cubs should ever go through something like this came up, whether the Cubs should be more like the Yankees. And he said, yeah, I mean, they should. And he's right. I, I've written that. I, I, I don't know how many times. But you see the Dodgers and the Yankees, and, and even the Red Sox, for that matter. They don't do this, right? They, they keep cores intact. Now, you know, the Dodgers didn't keep uh, Seager, and the Red Sox traded bets. Um, those strategic single-player moves happen in, in, in over the process as those teams try to continue to win and by the way continue to spend the money that they make being top revenue teams in the game this one doesn't do that and rizzo uh, dealt with that firsthand um in a in a, in a bitter a bitter way uh, at, at the end um in his mind and you know you can you can debate whether the cubs lowballed him or whether that was a fair offer he, he got he certainly would have got more uh, years if he'd have signed the contract more security Whatever he does here with the Yankees in the next two years, who knows? Maybe he does better for another three years after that. Who knows? But uh, the fact that the Cubs just sort of financially punted uh, because of hard times during a pandemic and then and then decided that all that culture that they talked about, all that continuity that they talked about, and the foundations for sustained success really didn't matter in the face of, you know, profit and loss. Um, Maybe that's just the reality of the world we live in, but other teams aren't approaching things that way. And uh, so I agree with him. And when you look at the Cardinals, for instance, and that's another great example, Wainwright's still there. Molina's still there. Now those guys are probably, Molina definitely is getting overpaid. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team but he means a lot in that clubhouse and in that organization of those guys and he he's got continuity going back uh what two championships 
Um, so, so there's a, that's culture, right? And the Cubs, Theo and Jed talked about the Cardinals from the moment they came in, uh, about how they've had this continuity and, and built these expectations in these winning ways and, and what all goes into that. That's part of what goes into it, like it or not. Hey, it's not great business, but it might be pretty damn good baseball business. If you're, if the, if the culture thing matters to you, and I've always thought culture is an overstated uh, concept in sports anyway, but the Cardinals make it work. Um, and continuity, maybe more than culture does matter if the continuity uh, comes from a strong place. And that's the frustrating thing is, especially with Rizzo is that it, it comes, you know, it would have cost you money, but you, right now the Cubs are about what, like 15th in payroll. I mean, you have money. It's not like you're, it's not like, you know, if, if all of a sudden they got rid of Rizzo and they signed Correa and they signed a bunch of, you know, top free agents, then I could say, Oh, you know, they're, you know, didn't have money for Rizzo. It wasn't in the budget. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, what, what, what's the computer spit out? And, and here's, here's what the guy's worth as a baseball player. We're not going to pay it. He's not going to take uh, less than what he wants. Uh, see you later, Riz. But uh, th this is a guy who, um, if you're not winning this year, you have plenty of money in the budget this year. He could be a, a, a bridge piece. He could be the guy you choose. And I, and I've got other opinions on this that involve other players, but he was the face of this group. Uh, he was the first one that stuck the last time around. And he's got a wealth of information to share with the young generation coming up about what this process is like at this point and how quickly it can turn in a good way and what you have to do to get there. Um, so do those things matter? I mean, we can, we can debate that. We should go get a couple of beers and debate that if they matter. And, and, they, and they've given lip service to that mattering, then, then he maybe is worth the, the money uh, to have that guy in your clubhouse, even if you're not going to win, even if he's not that baseball player, uh, kind of in the way that, that Yachty, you know, Yachty's a Hall of Famer. So, you know, you know take the comparison for what it's worth. Um, but, you know, your Wayne writes, your, your Yachty's, you know, they, they kept Matt Holiday around a long time. They, even, they, they even brought Pujols back. Exactly. They brought Pujols. Exactly. And so, um, you know, instead, what you've got, you got a couple holdovers. That's fine. And, and Contreras has kind of stepped up into a role like that with, with, with some of the young players. And Hendricks certainly does that with the, the young pitchers. And Hayward has always done that. Um, with uh, players in there. So you have some of that presence, but it's going to be gone really fast. I mean, uh, Hayward and Hendricks both one more year and, and Contreras out this year. So it doesn't look like they're doing anything uh, with, with that continuity. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me throw this at you too, Crowley, because I, I've thought about this a long time. We talked about those three guys that got traded last year. Chris Bryant was probably the most talented hitter of the bunch of them. He's probably the best hitter of the three of them. You were never going to sign him. And, and, and maybe you didn't want to. And I, and I see that. That's, that's fine. I, I never advocated for signing him because I knew it was a lost cause. It wasn't going to happen anyway. One of the things the other two guys had, and I know, I know what their numbers look like, especially the one. One of the things the other two guys had that I'm not even sure Brian has as talented as he has, as he is, they had an extra gear of fearlessness on the field. You know, sometimes, sometimes maybe uh, Rizzo ate too much pizza and pasta off the field, right? But but when it, when it or maybe didn't take enough batting practice for some people, but 
you put him on the field and he's he's on every play he's adjusting every at bat he's he's getting the most out of his abilities in that game and and you know just just remember 2019 down the stretch against the cardinals when he was supposed to be out maybe for the rest of the season with that ankle thing comes back in what three days four days whatever it was uh limps out there hits a home run in his first at bat i think it was um now he really struggled after that with that ankle but i mean that that how many people do that um and and who's more fearless on a baseball field than javi Baez? and we know what he does defensively for you um at, at an elite level at at, a, at a, an important position so there's maybe reasons um to have considered those guys yeah, and that, that's the thing is for a lot of Cub fans, we knew they weren't going to resign all three of those big guys, right? And then let's put Contreras in there. But it really feels like, okay, you, you thought one of the four would be extended. One of the four was going to stick around. You know, and, and, and we had these arguments over beers at bars. Million, well, I'd keep buying. Well, I'd keep Brian. I'd keep Contreras. It's just shocking that the way that it looks, and, and, and it drives me nuts on Twitter because I see people say extend Contreras. Wilson is about to be a free agent and he's having a monster year. Why would he sign a extension unless the Cubs were going to blow him away, which we know they're not going to. I don't even think they have to blow him away. I think if they gave him like the real muto money is, is the, is the benchmark, right? What would he get uh, five and one fifteen? Uh, that wouldn't break your bank. And, and you say, well, he's a 30 year old catcher. Yeah, but he doesn't have to play 140 games behind the plate. There's a DH. And look what happens when you take him out from behind the plate a few more times uh, over the course of, of a month. Uh, so he's got a bat, too. I mean, he's got he's got one of the better bats in the league, too. And you've got a DH now. I don't see any reason why this guy can't age well as, a, as an offensive performer. And uh, so maybe uh, he, maybe you – you groom his replacement behind the plate and you gradually make that transition over the course of a five-year contract. There's no reason he can't produce through his age 35 season. So you think five years, 115 would get it done? I think less than 115 would get it done. But certainly uh, certainly five years now, five years would get it done. Four might. I mean, what, what, what if you did? What if you wanted uh, less than a, less the, less years? What if you gave him four in a hundred? Do you think he'd take it? Now that's twenty five a year. Um, that that's that's a lot, but that's what about what the luxury tax threshold went up by? Right. Uh, so I mean, you could look at it since the luxury tax threshold is is the Ricketts' payroll cap. You could look at that as as free money compared to the last CBA. Uh, you know, I don't know. You can look at it any number of ways, but it doesn't break you. And do you want this player? He he is really friggin' good. Then, then the, I guess, so I take a look at what Wilson does. He can hit. He has a great arm behind the plate. The framing is kind of the one knock that he gets, but is about to go the way of the dodo with the uh, robot umpires coming in or the automated strike zone. So, you know, you talked about the DH. And, and, and by the way, the last guy in Chicago that got paid for framing, how good is he at that? Right. Right, right. I just, so then I just have a hard time understanding then why is there something more that we're missing? Why, why doesn't right now you can see that season ticket holders are frustrated. Fans are frustrated. Why not? 
you know, it's not throwing a cookie because this guy is obviously producing. It's not just signing a guy to sign a guy. It's a guy that has a strong connection in the clubhouse has become that leader, especially for some of the young Latino players. What on God's green earth is holding Jed back from offering that extension then? Because Wilson's saying he's heard nothing. I can't figure out how much of this is directly ownership influence. It certainly was coming out of 2020 and all the way through last year. Now they're in a position where I think Jed has choices that he's, he can make. You know, I think Seiya Suzuki was one of those. Um, Stroman in a different way was one of those because I, I don't think anybody reasonably thinks that he's supposed to be part of the next great run of success for the Cubs uh, as a bridge guy, as a possible trade piece, as a guy that might opt out after next year and, and maybe helps in the meantime. Um, but I think he's, but he does have these choices. And if he wanted to make uh, Wilson, one of them, I think he could now, you know, is there something else going on behind the scenes? Is there something they don't like about Wilson personally? Uh, that might be the case. And, 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 Maybe maybe Rossi has something that he doesn't like about Wilson's personality. I don't know what it is because everything I've seen, this guy on and off the field, he's, he's a genuine guy. Crowley, you go to a lot of games. You see when the cameras are down how he interacts with people, how he interacts with fans, how he interacts with clubhouse guys, uh, regular, regular people. He's, I know he's a good person with a good heart from everything that I've seen um, and, and everything and I assume anything that they could have seen, is there something else there? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Um, that's the only thing that, that I can think of that would prevent you from doing this, unless you're just so obsessed with, you know, regression models or something like that. And they, and your computer just tells you this and you're gonna, and you're gonna run with it. Um, I, I think that's uh if that's if that's how you're operating and and that's where you you're putting not just priorities but all of your decision making I, I don't think that's great policy well gordon i appreciate you hopping on i agree with you 100 percent on that and where can listeners find read listen to you you do a lot of great work i oh, appreciate it man um yeah, you can go on NBC Sports Chicago. Our podcasts are on there, um, and uh, all, all the all my stories. I got a new column, well, newly uh, uh, newly branded column that I've been doing for the last three months. Uh, Press box wag, <laughs> and uh, got a, got another one coming out uh, later on today uh, on that one. So NBC gotta, Sports Chicago. I got to tell you, Gordon, my favorite tweet of all time was you Darvish finding the press box wag. I, I still that that one still makes me literally laugh out loud. That was so hilarious. I saw him down there taking my picture of me taking his picture. And, and then I didn't know, I had no idea what he's going to do. I thought he was just messing with me. And then I see him shows up on Twitter. It's awesome. He's the best. I love him too. Yeah, it, it's great. And we really appreciate everything you do to kind of, you know, hold people accountable. And that's something that we enjoy. You know, those of us that grew up in the Harry Carey era of, of, of just demanding more and hoping for more. So appreciate everything you do, Gordon. Dude, you can see my hat here. I'm from Seattle. I grew up with the, the Mariners long before Lou Pinella got there. And I'm a baseball fan at heart. I'm not a, I, I didn't grow up with the Cubs, but I always thought, wow, what if my team had money? Now, back then, you know, what if my team you know, wasn't always crying poor? What, what could they do? And so I get here and I see this team and I know how much money they're making. I'm, I, I get angry for the fans. I mean, I, I, you know, Carl, you know, I have talked, man. I would be 
friggin' pissed if I was paying these ticket prices and watching what's going on. Maybe that's why I, I, I seem pissed all the time. <laughs> well, keep doing what you're doing, Gordon. We appreciate your time, and we'll have you back on again in the future, all right? All right, man, anytime. Take care. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.